welcome to the Jack and Cam Show. My name is Jack Gregory, and I'm joined by my best friend and fantasy football guru, Cam Kinsman. How you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic. Once again, glad to be here in the podcast studio, ready to get some work done. Perfect. Well, we got a great show for you guys today. We are continuing our Dynasty for Dummies series. This is part three, so if you haven't listened Go back and listen to part one and two. In part one, we dove into how to set up a dynasty league and why we think you should play dynasty football. In part two, we went into how you can succeed in your startup draft. And this is part three, where we're going to dive into our best advice for what to do after you've drafted your team. So let's dive right in. We're going to start with the preseason. So If you've been following along, you're at the point where you've got your team, you've gone through the startup draft, and you have your players. It's August. Preseason games are happening. Hype is all around. Football is back. It's super hot outside. I'm sweating. Oh, God, I'm sweating. It's just drowning in sweat, but it's okay because football is back. All right, Cam, let's start us off. What is your advice for what to do in the preseason for new Dynasty players? All right. Besides the fact to just hold your breath and try to make it to the regular season, because those four weeks are a little agonizing. uh, I would say my number one piece of advice in preseason is to not panic on rookies who don't kill it in the preseason. I think that with um, with the hype of a lot of rookies that have come out in the last couple of years, you know, expect immediate production from day one. And we have to remember that these are still young men who are making a transition into a professional league. So sometimes it takes a couple of weeks for them to get around. Um, if you remember two years ago, Justin Jefferson had big drop issues. Jamar Chase had drop issues. I think Elijah Moore had some panic early on in the season. Jonathan Taylor had panic. DK Metcalf had panic. And if you look at all those guys now, if you had traded them for pennies on the dollar before they had even played their first full season as an NFL player, you would be kicking yourself. So I would say, you know, just write it out. Dynasty is all about playing the long game. You know, don't don't panic just because someone doesn't do what you hope they would right away. Yeah, 100%. I think we've seen time and time again that that people want to see their rookies come in and just light it up. And like you said, I mean, they're a lot of times 21, 22 years old. They're just learning the playbook. They haven't settled in. And it just... It just doesn't happen. So I'm 100% there with you. Now to kind of throw an inverse on you, since you're saying not to panic on rookies, do you, and in your experience, have you seen buy opportunities for rookies that are not producing in the preseason? Um, I haven't seen any for myself, but I've seen trades go down in leagues I've been in. I I saw Jamar Chase moved in one of my leagues for two firsts week two of the preseason a couple uh, last year and uh, i think that right now he's at least worth three first plus in most leagues so i think that owner is probably kicking himself yeah i mean obviously not every rookie turns out to be jamar chase oh no of course not (laughs) (laughs) to sell you know a top five receiver pick or you know in that in the rookie draft it would have been probably 101 or 102 so early just because of some drop issues that's definitely um definitely not what you want to do and just to you know throw the inverse if you can make offers not low ball low ball offers but offers below value for rookies who are not producing in the preseason more times than not that will 
work out for you. So that's, that's a great piece of advice to dive into my first piece of advice. It would be that, you know, every year we come around to August, you start to see those preseason games and people are so excited for football and they tend to overreact to preseason hype. It's almost the opposite of what you just talked about, Cam, where rookies tend to not produce a lot of second, third, fourth year veterans can produce in the preseason because a lot of the time they're going up against second or even third string defenses and they tend to just go off. They have really good games and a lot of people will overreact and convince themselves, oh, this is the starting running back. I mean, look, he's he's doing amazing. You know, I, I remember a couple of years ago on the Chiefs offense, a running back named Darwin Thompson, who was the second or third string on that offense did amazing in the preseason and everyone was convinced he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy. And I ended up being able to trade him away and it was in a package, but essentially he was the core piece of a package. And I traded him away for Chris Godwin the year that Chris Godwin broke out. And the only reason I was able to do that was because he put up something like a hundred yards in a preseason game with a couple of touchdowns. And you know, you have to be rational. You have to ask yourself, is he, going to have opportunities in the regular season for that? And is there a reason for this hype beyond just a player having a good game against backup defenses? So when I analyzed the situation, I came to the conclusion, okay, he's just playing backup defenses. They have a set starting running back. They just drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire very high. They're not going to just kick him to the curb. It almost goes hand in hand with what you were saying, Cam, where there was a rookie underproducing in the preseason and then a veteran right behind him who was producing out of his mind in the preseason. And I, I was able to capitalize on that value. So my piece of advice is capitalize on value that you think is inflated because of preseason production. So have you you ever had any experience with that or any times that you can recollect where preseason hype has either bit you in the ass or you were able to capitalize on? Yeah, I think we made a trade last year where I traded you traded me Tony James from the Saints. Is that is that correct? Tony James? Jones. Tony Jones and then there was a Baltimore third stringer after J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards went down. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I'll, I'll look it up while you, you keep going. Anyway, Go so you, I was desperate for running back depth that year, and both of those players were guys that were getting a lot of hype around that time. Uh, Tony Jones was rumored to be getting a lot of the early down work um, instead of Alvin Kamara. And obviously the Baltimore Ravens were in full panic mode with multiple running backs out with torn ACLs. And a lot of positive reports came out about this guy in preseason, which honestly, if the only thing that you should pay attention to about coach speak in preseason should be negative reports, positive reports are like, I think standard for players who are getting a lot of hype or who are getting thrust into the starting lineup. Like a lot of times coaches aren't going to speak, um, I guess, neutrally about a guy who they need to perform well. They're always going to try to encourage their their players. So the only thing they really pay attention to, I think, in terms of news and preseason is, is negative news. But anyway, I traded those two players, I think, to you for a second, I believe. Yep, that's right. I, that, I think that second one came to 202, which in this year's draft could end up being like Chris Olave or George Pickens or Desmond Ritter. And I would clearly want one of those players over those two running backs. So don't make short-term moves that 
you haven't really thought through. You know, don't get caught up in the moment of preseason. Those running backs will probably still be there in a couple of weeks. Um, their price, and if their price goes up and you are willing to pay it then after you see it a little bit more, I think that's worth it for the negation of the risk. What are your thoughts? Yeah, hundred percent. And just for clarification, that running back was Tyson Williams on the, the ah Ravens. yes, the classic Tyson Williams. Ah, Tyson I, Williams. Yes. And Tony Jones for a second. So yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm I'm hundred percent in agreement there. And like I mentioned, you know, if you have a guy who gets preseason hype, like in, in that instance, it was both with running backs where the first stringer was injured and everyone was jumping up the opportunity to get the backup, and the backup did really well in a preseason game. And seeing that as an opportunity to maximize value, um, I jumped at that. And I think that, uh, Cam, I would imagine that's a mistake you probably won't make again, I imagine. Oh, no, I probably will. <laughs> at least you're self-aware about it. That's but. right. I, You know what? Gurus make mistakes from time to time. You know, it happens. We're all human. We're all human. None of us are perfect. That's right. So just to summarize our preseason advice, do not panic on rookies that are not killing it in the preseason. That does not mean they're not going to kill it either in their rookie season or even beyond that. Don't panic sell. Keep hold on to those and maybe even buy them if an opportunity arises. And then if preseason hype is at an all-time high, sell if it makes sense. See if you can capitalize on value from backups and third stringers who are really doing well in preseason because more times than not, you you will be able to maximize value on a player who otherwise won't have a lot of value. So that's our preseason. A little, a little, this interjection, like this is, I guess, jumping ahead, but I think the same thing can also be said for postseason that's being said preseason, you know? Sell guys at max value who you think are a declining asset. Um, I heard recently that fancy players are are like stocks in the sense that like they'll always come back to the mean. So like players' values might be at the high point, might be at the low point, but there's always around a mean average of where it's gonna stay. So, you know, let's say Allen Robinson signs with the Rams in the postseason like maybe that's your opportunity to sell he's a little bit older so that's the same thing they should keep in mind preseason and postseason is uh when to sell when to hold and when to buy just just for clarification are you saying off season yeah postseason i guess off season yes not i mean technically off season is postseason if you think about it it is post the season (laughs) i mean Yes, but just just to make sure no one's confused, you're talking about off season as in when the season is not happening. I said what I said. <laughs> I Fair stand enough. by my statements. Perfect. Okay, but yes, I agree. You know, look for opportunities where you can sell high and on players whose values are inflated, like at times during free agency or during preseason. Yeah, I'm 100 percent there with you. So let's. Let's move on to our mid-season advice. So you're at the point now where the season has started. You've won a few games. You've lost a few games. You can kind of assess where your team's at. So, Cam, what's your first piece of advice for someone who is midway through their first season as a dynasty manager? Midway through? Well, first of all, uh, congratulations, everyone, for making it midway through your first season. Everyone give yourself a round of applause, a pat on the back. Uh, Go get uh, a beer if you want cry it out or celebrate depending on where you are. Um, I think if you are midway through your first season and you're approaching your trade deadline, the best thing to do is to be honest with yourself about where your team is at, right? If you 
drafted, let's say, Austin Eckler, Ezekiel Elliott, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Cooper Cup, um, Alan like Robinson. This doesn't like a but. So let's say you went like like super heavy on veterans um, and really productive players, and let's say that Austin Eckler, Ezekiel Elliott, and Cooper Cup all get hurt, right? God forbid, knock on wood. Don't want that to happen. But if something catastrophic happens to your roster, you need to be honest with yourself about where you are. Like, do you want to run it back next season? Do you want to sell now? Do you need to sell your picks in order to acquire players to replace the injured players you have? So you need to be honest with yourself about where your current roster state is and make moves to either secure a playoff spot or to basically sell everything and kind of like prep for next season. What are your thoughts on that, Jack? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. You should always be flexible with your team. I think in our startup draft assessment, we we encouraged you guys to think of your window as you're drafting. And that's a really good strategy, especially when you're in your startup draft. However, as you come out of that, things happen. Like you just listed a scenario that could absolutely happen to someone where you end up with a lot of injuries and you have to reevaluate your team. So when you're a dynasty manager, as opposed to redraft, you're constantly reevaluating your team. Okay, where am I? Am I competing? Am I going to end up you know, losing a lot this year? Am I going to be somewhere in the middle? You know, you, you just have to constantly reevaluate and move from there. So I'm, I'm a hundred percent there with you. I think that's, that's incredibly important for a dynasty manager to do. Yeah. I think that if you're going into like week eight and you're four and four, you need to have a serious heart to heart with yourself. Be like, okay, buddy, this isn't how we thought it was going to go. And you need to either double down and find a way to win, or you need to basically sell some of your expiring assets and maybe acquire some newer, bright and shiny assets, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that actually ties in well with my my first piece of advice for the midseason. And this is going to go against almost everything that I've spoken up until this point. And I'll explain why afterwards. But if, if you are evaluating your team and you think that you have a chance at the playoffs and chance at winning do not be afraid to overpay and here's here's what i mean gasp (laughs) you know as we've gone through our preseason and as we've gone through our uh, startup draft analysis and we'll get into off season later and we'll probably say this as well there we've talked about value you know Guys that are have inflated value, guys that have depressed value, ways that you can trade for players with depressed value, ways that you can trade away players with inflated value. And a lot of off-season, startup draft, preseason analysis and, and successful dynasty managers is about maximizing value in those times. The one time I would tell you to ignore all of that is during the season. And I say that because if you go into a season with a really good win now team and you have injuries like Cameron's, you know, explained, it can throw everything for a loop. And if you lost a lot of value by trading for an asset that would have helped that would help you win, you know, you might really regret that trade because you lost value. However, if you're in week nine and you're six and three and you have a really big weakness at RB2. And you think, hey, if I if I fill that hole, you know, I'm looking at the scores across the league. I think I can win this thing. 
football, fantasy football is about winning championships. Don't be afraid to overpay, not a lot, but overpay a little bit to go get that RB2 because winning a championship is the end all goal of fantasy football, the end all goal of sports in general. You know, to give you a real life example, if you look at the Los Angeles Rams, they trade for um, Miller, the defensive end, midway through the season, an expiring contract, someone who just this week walked away and did not re-sign with the Rams. And they won a Super Bowl. And he was key for them in the playoffs. He absolutely was integral to their defensive success in the playoffs. And without that trade, I feel fairly confident in saying I don't think they win the Super Bowl. So do they regret probably overpaying for an expiring contract that eventually didn't resign for them? I don't think they regret it one bit because they won a championship. You should evaluate your team much in the same way. And you might not win the championship. It might not be a happy ending like the Rams. But but fantasy football is about winning championships. And if you have a shot at that, don't be afraid to go all in and push the chips in and overpay a little bit to get that guy that you think completes your team. So what do you think as, about that? As the Rams... To paraphrase the Rams GM, bump them picks, man. Bump them. You don't need them. You Who don't needs need the first when you got a ring. A ring. I mean, like to to put it in more of a real perspective as well. I mean, most all of my leagues are money leagues, right? So maybe you guys aren't playing in money leagues, but if you are, typically the payout between first, second, and third is a big drop off between first and second. So if you win your dynasty league, you could probably pay your league dues for the next four years, maybe more, depending on what the like the buyout averages between like, I think we did like 70, 2010 or something like that. So it's pretty, pretty big, pretty big difference. Um, I, I definitely am a big proponent of if you see a shot, uh, you know, take it to put it in perspective. Last year, we had a dynasty league. Um, the 12-man league that me and Jack are in, Jack saw an opportunity where a lot of players in the league were kind of um, middle of the road, a lot of like uh, four and four teams, a lot of like five and four teams, a lot of four and five teams. And Jack was kind of right there in the middle. And Jack started out the year with a lot of younger assets and he acquired a lot of picks. And then about halfway through the year, Jack thought, you know what? Like everyone in this league is trying to kind of just tread water and no one had really picked a direction besides me. I full tanked. Um, and I think our friend Dylan also full tanked. Uh, besides that, everyone was either treading water or had committed to winning, but hadn't won as many games as they probably should have due to injuries or other factors. So Jack full sent. He traded away Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, picks. He acquired Najee. He acquired Josh Allen. He got Derek Carr. He got a lot of aging veterans, and he made the playoffs. And I think he got third i believe which still paid him out so just because you don't win the chip doesn't mean that's a failure of a season yeah like you described i ended up third in that league got my buy-in back and then some um and, and so this isn't really a huge success story but it's also not a failure like you're saying and you know to pour salt in the wound i did outscore both teams in the championship week but so if i'd have made it you know did you but did you win though i did not but do i regret selling my first round picks to go for it no and am i gonna reload and definitely win that league this year absolutely well i mean no questions asked well i mean so you're putting it on the line right now you're winning the league next year 
Absolutely. I back right. myself 100%. All right, mark it down. Today is uh, March 21st. The time is 7.36. I will be back here in one year, and we will talk about this. I bet. I bet. But, but to get back to the point, to reel it in, if you think you have a chance at a championship, that is the goal of fantasy football. Don't get lost in the value of a trade if you think it will help you win. Now, that, that doesn't mean also to just make bad trades either, though. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I wouldn't say go, you know, trade three first round picks for Derrick Henry. But, you know, if you trade a first round pick for Derrick Henry, knowing yes, that he's going to of course. eventually probably retire in two years, you do that because you think Derrick Henry might get you over the cliff. That actually is a great segue into one of the other points I wanted to talk about for our midseason section was... um. This is something that I feel like is very hard to accept when you own one of these players. And it's definitely very hard to practice what you preach when it comes to this rule. But as a rule of thumb in the dynasty community, it is better to be a year too early on selling a running back than a year too late. Um, I think some of these running backs who might be on the year too late end of it are probably Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Derek Henry and I think some of those running backs who might be approaching that threshold are probably running backs like Austin Eckler god forbid uh Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley are on that train but you know it's two years in a row of bad production from them so we'll see but it is better to be if you can get two first for Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley at this point I think a lot of dynasty managers managers would probably take that Jack what are your thoughts on this rule of thumb for running backs yeah, so I mean, it obviously comes from experience. There are a lot of running backs that fall off. There are a lot of running backs that get injured. It's a very volatile position, whereas tight ends, receivers, quarterbacks, they are injured less on top of the fact that they age better. So I definitely agree with you. I think there's a, you know, I, I you didn't say this, but just to make sure the, the message is clear, what we're not saying is sell injured running backs. Like, no, no, you know, no. if you if you have a competing team, your RB1 goes down and you're suddenly you don't think that you can compete. Don't sell that RB1 that got injured because we never think you should sell at a low point and an in, fresh injury is always a low point for a player. So definitely don't do that. But the sentiment of selling running backs when you are not competing is absolutely true, um, especially if you're able to capitalize on value. So if you have a, a running back who's doing very well, and well, let's let's clarify a little bit. Veteran running back. So we're talking about running backs who are probably like age 25, 26 and higher. If you have a running back who's like 21 or 22, or got oh, yeah. 20, like don't like just unless someone offers you the bag, you, you're keeping them. Okay, those are literal gold. Yeah, absolutely. So 25 plus running backs. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, Cam. I think that's a great piece of advice um, that can be a little bit more practical. Thank you. I'll give myself a little pat on the back for that one. All There's right, that thanks. guru right. coming good, out. Good job. Good job, Cam. You did it. You did it, buddy. <laughs> uh, to dive into my my next piece of advice, and it, it's kind of the inverse of what I was talking about earlier. With the, the What I was talking about earlier was if you are competing, go all in. The opposite piece is if you're not competing... First round picks and draft picks in general never have a lower value than during midseason because no one's thinking about rookies. No one is thinking about the offseason. Everyone is thinking, oh, man, we're, we're loving watching football on Sundays. I think I can win this league. If you think that you are not going to make playoffs, 
go for the picks. Uh, I don't recommend going for younger players. Younger players' value tends to be stagnant or even rising. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Let me clarify. I'm not saying don't go for them, but don't specifically target them because draft picks have depressed value during the season. And then as soon as the offseason comes, you've seen it, Cam, those values spike. You know, as oh, soon that, as those, that rookie hype. Oh, oh, yeah. The rookie hype comes in and everyone wants a piece of it. Everyone's I, like, man, did you see what Brees Hall did at the combine? Juicy, juicy rookie hype. Ugh, oh, so my tasty. God. Ugh. And and so if you have extra picks because in the midseason you decided, you know, Cordero Patterson's doing really well, but I don't think I'm going to win this year. Let me see what I can get for him. I got an early second or a late first, you know, whatever you got. You're probably really happy you did that because now that those picks increase in value, even if you want don't want the pick, maybe you don't like the rookies, you can sell it for so much more now than you could midseason. So, you know, on the one hand, if you're competing and you have a shot at the championship, I would say throw value out the window and go for it. On the other hand, if you don't think you have an actual shot, this is your time. You know, don't wait till the offseason to make moves. This is your time to add draft picks and add value to your team and rebuild and you can you can go from a team that can't compete to a team that can compete by being smart and timing your trades and that is the time to trade for picks so what do you think about that kim i think that's an excellent piece of advice and i'm sure we'll probably go more in depth into this in later podcasts getting closer to the draft we'll probably go into rookies and stuff of that nature but mid mid season if someone's trying to win They'll very easily part with their picks, usually for a productive older player. I mean, it's not it's not even crazy to look two years out and trade for first round picks. Like mid season, if I said so, uh, this year is twenty twenty two, so let's go twenty twenty four. So if I ask for someone's twenty twenty four first mid season this year for a player like I don't know, let's go Aaron Jones, right? So I ask for a twenty twenty four first, and maybe I don't know uh, Elijah Mitchell. It's very possible that person, if Elijah Mitchell isn't producing at a running back one level, makes that trade. And I'm giving away an expiring asset for a younger asset and a pick. Those are the kind of trades you want to pull off if you're not immediately competing. You want to always try to add value. And I've talked about this before with you, Jack, and I think that you've definitely come around. I think you thought this way, but not as much as I did before, was that like draft picks, in my opinion, are like a a value that will only increase if that makes sense so like trading for draft picks a year early or the year of mid-season like that's going to be the lowest that that quote-unquote stock is going to be right so closer that you get to the draft like you said that rookie hype happens everyone gets really excited the combine happens the draft happens you know players get their landing spots all the while like whatever pick you have is only accruing value and I think you've touched on this before, but whenever that pick becomes a name, usually that pick decreases in value a little bit. So like having those picks and getting them early rather than later, you, you usually don't want to be trading for picks closer to the deadline or closer to the draft because that's when the value will start to accrue. You want to already have those picks on your roster if you're trying to rebuild. If you don't like someone at that spot, try to sell those picks this is getting ahead of myself, but try to sell those picks at like the hot moments, you know, combine draft week after, you know, day of your actual rookie draft. So you want to try to acquire assets that will only accrue value rather than expiring assets. Yeah, absolutely. 
and midseason is when those picks are least valuable and right before your rookie draft or during even is when they're most valuable and so especially for teams that are not competing you want to capitalize and maximize value so i'm I'm 100 there with you so what's what is your next piece of mid-season advice i guess my next piece of mid-season advice would be besides draft pick quote-unquote stocks a piece of advice that i've heard recently um put around in the dynasty scape i would say is that like a lot of generally most of the time dynasty players quote-unquote stocks will always have a mean right so if you're competing you want to try to look for look for spots where you think a player is being undervalued and you want to look for spots where maybe players you have are being overvalued you want to try to capitalize on that jack you've made a lot of really good dynasty trades how do you go about trading mid-season like what is your process yeah i mean my process is generally look for guys who have had regressed opportunity because of strength of schedule. So, you know, for example, last year, if a running back had just a gauntlet of games, you know, they, they say they they face the Steelers and the Ravens and teams that have like really good defensive lines, the Buccaneers, and they're not producing. Um, they generally, they're not producing, not because they're not good, or not because they're not getting opportunity, but because they face some damn good defenses. And so you want to look for, you know, players that aren't doing well, but there's an explanation. So those are generally the actual players I target. And then separately, you know, I target guys who um, maybe they're not doing well, but you can, I mean, really it boils down to, is there an explanation for why they're not doing well? The explanation might be bad coaching. The explanation might be injuries to the offensive line. The explanation might be, you know, like I said, strength of schedule. These are all things that not every manager in your league is going to pay attention to. And you can capitalize on because like you said, those values eventually regress to the mean and that regression can be positive as in they're at a lower value and they regress upwards or it can be negative. They're at a higher value. So they face like the four worst rushing defenses in the league for the first four games. They got 120 yards each game, and someone in your league thinks they're 120-yard-a-game rushers. You can sell that player, and eventually they will regress to the mean of what they would have been otherwise. So, yeah, that's generally my rule of thumb and how I approach trading in Dynasty. Yeah, I think that's a lot of very good advice. I think another thing that I know you do and that I also try to do is try to look at each team's roster if you are very wide receiver hungry right and you're like man i really like me some deontay johnson really believe in the talent think that his value will only increase as the year goes on and you're like i really want deontay johnson i'm going to hit up the deontay johnson owner well let's say that the deontay johnson owner his three starting wide receivers are deontay johnson tyler lockett and like donovan people's jones um generally players who have like one stud at a position, if they're competing, it's even if they're not competing, if that player is a little bit younger, it's going to be very hard to make them part with that positional piece. So you want to try to look at players who are who are trying to win and who are hurting at a certain spot. So like Jack mentioned earlier, like maybe someone really needs a running back too. Maybe someone has Jonathan Taylor and like, um, maybe they have someone like, Ronald Jones. Uh, Ronald Jones. I was trying to think of the 
other Green Bay running back. I'm blanking super hard. <laughs> AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon. I knew it was an A. Um, <laughs> you know, the so let's say they have AJ Dillon and Austin Eckler, right? So you need to look at them and be like, all right, look, it's mid- midway through the season. AJ Dillon is not getting a lot of the touches. He's splitting work. And like the rest of the roster is stacked. So I have on my end someone like Ezekiel Elliott. Or maybe I even have Aaron Jones. Or I have one of those running back two assets. Like that's the time to make a trade with that owner. Or maybe it's the reverse. Maybe you have a maybe you have a receiver who you really, really like and then is mid-aged, but you really need a a quarterback, right? Quarterbacks and running backs are goal and super flex football. So let's say that you really need, I don't know, like Derek Carr, right? Like let's let's say you want to target Derek, target Derek Carr, and their receivers are awful, and yet your receivers are really good. Maybe you trade your receiver two or receiver three for Derek Carr plus something if they're really desperate, right? I don't know if that would actually happen, but you want to look at positional weaknesses and strengths for each team in your league and try to keep those in mind as you go throughout your season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, managers tend to want to fill gaps. And if you can capitalize on that, someone is much more likely to give up value or, you know, quote unquote, lose a trade. If you look at value, if they are filling a hole in their roster, because then they can convince themselves that their roster is better off with that trade than they were before. And that isn't necessarily false thinking. It's just a matter of you taking advantage of that mindset. So 100% in agreement with you there. All right. So I think we've just laid out some really good advice for what to do in the midseason. We've talked about preseason. So let's get to our last last segment in our Dynasty for Dummies series. And that's the offseason. So you've gone through your season. You've either won. You're a champion. Congratulations. You killed Oh, my him. goodness. You've done it. Crown him. Ring him. Amazing. Or you've lost, sad, you are going into the offseason a little bit. You're depressed. terrible, never play again, quit the game. <laughs> quit, pay out your money, give your next couple years buy-in because you're never going to win. Never going to win. Might as well just sell the team, honestly. What do you do now? So, Cam, you've come to the offseason. What is your number one piece of advice for the offseason? Oh my goodness, we're finally here. We made it past the postseason. I made it. We all made it. Congratulations. Um, number one piece of advice for postseason. I feel like we kind of touched on it earlier, which we tend to do a lot on this podcast so far. We like to jump ahead and jump backwards. Um, we're just time travelers on this podcast here. We, I think that the number one piece of advice for the postseason would probably be to look at prime selling points for either your draft picks or your players that is either brought on about by things like the combine or the NFL draft itself or even free agency. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you mentioned, I don't want to camp out here too long because we have touched on it, but a player signs a new contract for a new team. He might have an inflated value because people project what that could look like. A player is about to get drafted and they get drafted to a really good landing spot. You know, I I think about Clyde Edwards Alaire and the inflation of his value when he went to the Chiefs because of what people thought that would mean for him. And if you can be shrewd in your assessment and determine 
is this real? Because sometimes it's real. You don't always want to sell players just because of a new situation. But if you can determine, is it is it real or is it just someone projecting value because of what it could be, you can really look for great sell opportunities or buy opportunities. You know, I remember someone that I will never have on my team, but I will fully admit that I was probably wrong about. DeAndre Swift ends up in, in Detroit. And I was like, ugh, gross, Detroit. I don't want any of that mess. You, and I you still, still hold you still hold that position. I still don't want it, but I will admit that value-wise, I was wrong to think that a supreme talent in a bad situation wouldn't shine through. And so you can look for opportunities to buy, like when uh, DeAndre Swift was drafted to Detroit, or you can look for opportunities to sell, like a Clyde Edwards-Alaire being drafted in Kansas City, or you know you could think of free agency signings you can think of lots of off-season events that happen and inflate value so 100 there with you yeah you know we got a little bit of time left and not a lot of topics so i just looked something up and i thought maybe we could play a little bit of game off the rip a little oh, little game off the rip you're throwing me for a loop okay i am you have no prep time on this no notes no nothing this is just your 100 percent raw honest opinion Okay, sure. We're, we're going to play uh, uh, buy, sell, keep on. I'm going to do, I guess, two quarterbacks, two running backs, two receivers. I'm going to feel out what you think. Okay. And just for the listeners, I am completely unprepared. I did he, not know this was he did not know this was happening. Actually, I didn't know this was happening. So here we go. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to do this. Just This just happened, I believe, today. Uh, Marcus Mariota with the Atlanta Falcons. I want to buy. He's a starting quarterback in Superflex. That's very valuable. I think he starts for a year, and they probably draft a quarterback, but he's probably still going to start the year. So I think you can get him for like a third round pick, and you know he can. What is the what is the maximum that you would pay for him? If I really need a QB two, I'd pay a late second. All right. I think I think that's fair. I think that is a good evaluation. He's definitely going to start and he's a dual threat quarterback in Superflex. If you're a competing team, I think that's a very good take to have. Um, let's look at another one. Let's go with Oh, this one's kind of gross, but I'm going to do it anyway. Drew Lock on the Seahawks. Oh god. I mean, I would say sell. <laughs> but I don't think you can get anything for him. Um So are you buying? No. Even I'm as a quarterback buying. three on your roster, quarterback four no. even. No, no, no because, part of it. And I mean, I'm projecting the future. Ask me again in May. I think the Seahawks are a prime team to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield. I think they're trying to sell Drew Locke to the locker room and to the fans, and I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's working. Um, and I think that they're a prime candidate for trading for one of those two quarterbacks. I don't. I don't think Drew Locke, is going to be the starting quarterback week one. If he is, I would revisit this answer. But as of right now, my projection is that he is not going to be the starting quarterback. I think it's different than the situation in Atlanta. Do you think they take someone in the draft or maybe they make him the fall guy for the year? Or what do you think happens? I think, like I mentioned, I think they trade for Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield. Okay, I could see that happening. All right, yeah. on to the running back. So let's talk about Chase Edmonds signing with the Dolphins on two years, $12 million. What are you doing? I'm going to sell. I think there's, depending on what you could get for him, 
It's either a sell or a keep, depending on your individual league. I think there's good opportunity there, but I also think they added Raheem Mostert. I think they already have a couple guys there. I think they have Gaskin, Amon, um, Ahmed. Um, I think there is going to be, they're taking the San Francisco approach of running back by committee. And I think Edmonds is probably number one on that depth chart based on the money that he got. But I, I don't think he's going to be putting up even RB two numbers in that offense. I mean, it's like San Francisco without the efficiency of San Francisco. So I'm a sell. I think he's got some decent value. I think the ideal time to sell would be before they signed, um, Raheem Mostert, but if you miss that, I still think you can get good value for him, and I don't think he's putting up elite numbers this year. All right. I think that I can buy that. I think that I could probably talk myself into a buy if it was cheap enough. What is the lowest that you would sell Chase Edmonds for? Uh, Lowest I would sell would probably be in mid-second. Okay. I think that's that's pretty fair. I think that you get that value – Chase Edmonds a little bit older. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that that'd be a good deal. All right. The other running back we'll talk about is the 26-year-old James Conner who re-signed with Arizona after Chase Edmonds left, and he signed a three-year $21 million deal. He's 26. Are you buying, selling, or... Oh, oh, oh. I was going to say, also, the first two years on that deal are fully guaranteed. That's right. He's the starting running back. He is the starting running back. Probably They're probably not going to draft... I mean, maybe they will draft a running back. I don't know what they're going to do. But... What are you doing with James Conner, 26-year-old James Conner, with that that money that he was just paid? Again, everything's league-specific, but I would try and sell. If you can get a first, a late first-round pick for him, a mid-first-round pick, you know, he led the league in touchdowns last year. Touchdowns are a very, very uh, fluctuating statistic. Generally, players that have a lot of touchdowns one year might not have them the next year. They, it tends to fluctuate a lot. And so I think his scoring will come down. And I think that now that he's locked into Arizona and um, his competition, Chase Edmonds has signed with Miami. I think you can get a lot for him right now. I think there's a lot of value there to sell for. Like we mentioned, you know, this is a a good time to sell guys who sign new deals. And he is now locked in in in, uh, Arizona for two years. And I don't think he scores the nearly the amount of touchdowns that he scored last year. Also, I mean, who knows what's happening with Kyler? Uh, he still hasn't signed an extension. Is he going to play? Is he going to get, you know, is, is this going to be the next big QB to request a trade? Who knows? Uh, too many questions. I'm going to sell. All right. I think that I, I think that I'm on that boat with you. What are you looking for? If you're a James Conner owner, what are you going to take uh, for his return? A mid second again? No, 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 no. He's no, worth he's... more than that. I think he's worth the first. I would absolutely hold out for a first. If you a, can't a late, get a first. A late first? Yeah, I would take a late first. I would try and get a mid first uh, if I could. Um, if, if no one's offering that and someone is offering a late first, I would take it. But I'm not taking a second. Uh, that's probably my cutoff. All right. All right. I, I, I like it. All right. We're going to move on to the receivers. All right. This one is... I don't know how I feel about this one. So we'll we'll... Pivot and ask you, Christian Kirk to the Jacksonville Jaguars, four years, $72 million. Ugh, That's God. a lot of money for Christian Kirk. But, I mean, they paid the man. You would expect they would use him. What are you doing if you're a Christian Kirk owner? I'm going to hold, and I'm going to say hold just because I think 
no one wants to own a Jaguars receiver, so I don't know what kind of value you could get. You know, usually we, we talked about the bump in value from free agency deals. I think that's null and void when you're talking about the Jaguars. <laughs> no one wants a Jaguars player at this moment. But like you mentioned, if money talks, he's going to be force fed targets. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, if you still believe Trevor Lawrence is an elite quarterback, those are valuable targets. And so I personally, not a big Christian Kirk fan, but, you know, I'm going to hold. I'm going to see what happens. The money talks. The money talks. Money talks. That's right. I think that I agree with you for the most part. I might, if the price was right, be looking to sell. Obviously, like I think that's what you hinted on earlier is like if there was that bump in value, I think I'd probably sell. But if someone was willing to sell him for super cheap, I also might be willing to buy. He's a very interesting <laughs> spot. Like I, I, I all three. He's a buy, I want, sell, and a hold. I want, I want all three doors. Can I open all three doors? I just that's one of those <laughs> that's one of those situations where like it's so much money. He's in such an obscure spot. Obviously, the coaching last year was abysmal. So I would expect, and I think you do too, Trevor Lawrence to take a big step forward in year two with Doug Peterson. Hopefully they get on the right track. Hopefully a, a different, more NFL-type offense is implemented. Um, it, I honestly could see this going either way being the right answer. Like yeah, either of the three options. That's kind of why I'm at a hold. Because like you said, it could go either way. It's a nice middle ground, you know? Yeah, exactly. A cop right, out, well, you might say. The cop out. That's right. All right. Last one for the day. Maybe we'll do more of these in the future. Uh, we're gonna go with A. Rob, twenty-eight years old, signed with the Los Angeles Rams, three years, forty-five million. They shipped off Bobby Trees, Robert Woods, over the Titans. So he's definitely their wide receiver too in that offense. And they locked up Matt Ryan, or not Matt Ryan. I'm sorry, Matthew That's Stafford, <laughs> the other Matty Ice. <laughs> <laughs> uh they locked up matthew stafford for four years and i believe that the first two years of alan robinson's deal are fully guaranteed right that's correct yeah all right so where are you with 28 year old a rob yeah i'm gonna buy a rob i i think um a lot of receivers a lot of free agency deals are not by opportunity so i'm almost contradicting myself but i feel like because of how terrible of a year he had last year he has a very, very depressed value, but people forget how talented of a receiver he is. And I think people are going to be quickly reminded of that now that he has a competent quarterback and more importantly, a very highly competent coaching staff. You know, you think about the space available in that offense, the the space that Cooper Cup opens up with his underneath routes. You know, you think of Cooper Cup running over the middle of the field on a crossing route, the space that leaves behind for an Allen Robinson on a post, on a corner, on on something over the, the top that I think he can exploit with his talent, I think he's going to have a monstrous year. I'm a, I'm a really big believer in Allen Robinson's talent, and I'm even more of a believer in the Los Angeles Rams offense. So I think this is a, is a match made in heaven. I'm super excited to see what they can produce in the field. So I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm going against my own advice of selling on free agency hype. But this is a specific situation I believe in. I'm going to say bye. And I think he's cheap. Yeah, as my father has told me before, do as I say, not as I do. That's right. Exactly. Uh, no, I, I definitely could I definitely could see this as a big buy opportunity if you can get the price 
that you want, what price would you be willing to pay for Allen Robinson? I'd pay an early second, you know. Would you pay a late first? I do think that his value has probably jumped up a little bit. Would you pay like the 111? I think if I'm contending, yes. If you okay. get in a late first, which if you have a late first, I imagine you probably are contending. That's why your first round pick is so late. But if I'm a team that, you know, needs a wide receiver three, wide receiver two, and I again, going for that, uh, I think I can win it um, mentality. I would do that because I think more times than not, he's going to outproduce a receiver that you could draft at 111. And I'm not just talking about in that year, but I think in, in general, looking forward, um, I, as a general value, would say no. But if I'm a contender and that's the difference between, you know, that fills a big hole in my starting roster, I would go for it. Last we forget, Allen Robinson made Blake Bortles a viable fantasy option for a while. Exactly. Man's got talent for days. I think he's going to really succeed in this offense. I'm very excited. All right. Well, thank you for playing this week's version of Buy, Sell, Keep. This was fun. I'm glad that you thrust it upon me unexpectedly, but it was a good time. Yes, but you did consent. Let's keep in mind that you. I, I did not make you do this. It was all. It was consented. You consented. I heard it. Everyone heard it. We all, we all heard. Okay. I'm going to wrap this up. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Jack and Cam show. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next week to dive into some free agency reactions and we'll dive in. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.